You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. David Tyndale always imagined being on the court with the best in the game, but it hasn't been exactly what he expected. Tyndale is a personal trainer for NBA players, university players, and basically the closest basketball player to him. He currently works with Canadian and now Portland Trailblazer Nick Stauskas, as well as players at Temple University. I caught up with David at the 44 Hoops Camp run by Andrew Nicholson here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. David, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Definitely. So we're here in Fredericton. You're doing a camp. How many of these do you uh, do in a year? Well, the ones in Fredericton? Uh, in Fredericton, we're here once or twice. Um, I was here with Dylan Brooks' this camp last, uh, say, month ago. This month, Andrew Nicholson. I'm in the works and thinking about talking to some of the people out here about myself coming out here and doing my own. Um, I've been here for four years now um, doing camps in the summer, so I've kind of built a good relationship with a lot of the kids, parents. You know, they love what we do and the energy we bring. So, I mean, not that I need to do it without one of those guys, but I think, like, I just love these kids so much that I'd want to come here even if it's on my own and just run clinics for a week, you know what I mean, just to to keep getting the kids better and keep building with them because, like I said, these kids here have such a good attitude. They're so hungry. They want to work really hard, and, you know, they're they're humble, and they listen, right? They're coachable, so I, I love that. Anytime a kid's coachable, I'm willing to work with them 100%. So Fredericton has been treating you okay? Yeah, definitely. The hospitality here is great. Uh, a lot of the families of some of the kids that are here, they've shown us love over the years and, uh, you know, taking us out to, to eat, had us, had us over for dinners and stuff, so... You know, not that you don't see that in any other province or any other country, but, you know, definitely the people out here are very, very nice. I don't think I've seen anyone nicer. So before we get into your uh, current career, tell me about when you first were one of these kids and you first started playing basketball. Ah. So I first started playing basketball. I was real young. I mean, I probably was like seven or eight years old. Um, not super young, but young enough. And uh, I was kind of shy. That's a, kind of the interesting thing. Like people see me now speaking and being very vocal and, you know, letting people know, um, you know, what it is when it comes to me training and being very like energetic. And, but there was a point where I, I couldn't even talk. I was literally in such a bubble. I was very introverted. I had a lot of like anxiety. And, um, you know, I, as I got older, I kind of, kind of got out of that shell through basketball, you know, um, basketball kind of helped me. I, I, I didn't really attend these camps when I was a kid because I was so shy, but as I got older, you know, um, it went from playing outside, playing outside to saying, you know what, let me just let loose and, and, and do my thing. So I started to attend camps probably around 14, 15. So these kids are well ahead. Some of these kids in here are eight, nine years old, going through the legs, behind the back, shooting threes. They understand all the lingo and the basketball terminology. So, you know, they've been seasoned for this, having attended probably five, six camps in their lives already. And then some of them are only eight, nine years old. So they're ahead of the game, that's for sure. <laughs> And uh, tell me about, because first you you, I'm, you were a basketball player and then you transitioned to being a trainer. How did that sort of happen? Well, it was crazy. Um, you know, I was, I felt like I was invincible when I was still playing, you know, and uh, when I was playing in the NBL, um, my first game in my hometown, actually, uh, I tore my meniscus very badly. And um, I, everyone thought it was a muscle spasm, whatever, but right as it happened, I felt like the grind and I knew something was up with my knee. I was able to walk myself to my car, drove myself home, uh, went to the doctor and was trying to see if they could tell me if there was anything wrong. They said, you're fine, you wouldn't be able to walk. And it was a process and I ended up finding out it was torn, had a surgery, the surgery didn't go as it was supposed to, had to get a second surgery. And they told me that I had an at-risk knee for knee replacement. And um, when I heard that it was crushing, I was devastated. I can, I can honestly say I was depressed. Um, 
I, I began to hate basketball, as, as crazy as that sounds, because I'm obsessed with basketball. Um, everyone knows that. But I, I began to hate it and, and resent it because it was just like, why me? I've worked so hard. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And you're where, you, where you're supposed to be for a reason. And for me, I realized my sphere of influence as a trainer is much greater than as a player. Not that I wasn't a great player, but I wasn't in the NBA. I wasn't, you know, getting to touch as many lives. And, and not to say that I couldn't have gone further with my career, and I know I could have, but... I think this is my calling because my ability to communicate and, and influence and break things down and the details of the game, I really see it that way. So it kind of was forced upon me, and then I kind of just took it and ran with it. Yeah. Who who supported you or what got, through, got you through that tough time where you were in between and you were going through that injury? Oh, my mother. My mother definitely was uh, one of my, my, my biggest uh, supporters through that because, you know, every day was was, was – was hard you know like the whole process of rehabbing and whatnot it's, it's difficult but um she was there supporting me of course you everyone's mother is going to be in their corner um and uh, a lot of my friends were there for me as well and um even amir morgan he was my high school coach actually he's here helping out with andrew's camp he's been doing stuff with us for for a long time with the camps obviously and coaching us back in the day but he was coaching high school in mississauga and i began to coach at the high school so it kind of started with that just trying to stay involved and keep my mind on the game and uh after i started doing that i realized you know what my training is really good let me just keep it going keep it going I started working with kids and if you can't be happy around kids then <laughs> something's really wrong so the kids got me out of that hole i'd say as well and then um from there people started to take note of what i was doing and how i approached the game and i was respected based off my playing career and then uh yeah i got started getting pros and higher level athletes and i just went from there and grew blew it blew up a lot more Tell me about some of the people you've worked with. Uh, I've worked with a lot of talent. I mean, um, namely like Nick Stauskas, Dylan Brooks, Naz Long. Uh, I've trained Dwayne Notice. Uh, I could think of tons of Canadian basketball players. You know, Elijah Long. These are a lot of guys. These, these are my guys. Cody John. I've been approached by a lot of different guys, like DeVoe Joseph, even like Corey Joe's brother. These are guys that I was rivals with. Warren Ward. He's another guy I was a rival with. So Shadrach, James LaField. Like these are guys that are from Ontario mainly and, they're, they're high-level guys, and it's like, man, these guys are approaching me that I, I, I used to rival with, and, you know, they're wanting to work with me long-term. T.J. McConnell, a lot of guys in the States, like at Temple University, a lot of the guys there, pros that are playing and living in Philadelphia because that's where I'm based out of right now. Um, so a lot of people have been reaching out. It's just the list is endless, really, but um, I don't really think too much about the big names because, for me, it's just like, I'm just here to work with anybody who's hungry and wants to get better. So it really doesn't even matter the names, really, you know, for me at least. But, yeah. And how do you change your approach? Obviously, you're working with different level guys. Today you're working for working with Stanley Miambo. Mm -hmm. You work with Nick Stauskas. How do you kind of adjust what you do depending on the talent level? Well, the talent level, uh, I mean, it's a needs analysis. That's what, I, that's what I look at it as. Like, I mean, everybody has different needs based on position and based on ability and how they move, right? So for me, I mean, one thing I like to ask guys and a lot of the guys I train is what are your weaknesses, right? If you don't do self-evaluation and self-assessment and really look at yourself from the outside in and say, okay, I can improve in this area, that area, then it's really hard to get better because um, you got to be on the same page. I could put somebody through a workout and make them look terrible because I never really like to make a guy look good. I want you to go out of your comfort zone and do things you're not very good at. And I could tell what they're good at based on my basic warm-ups that I do. I do uh, specific things with everyone pretty much as a test just to see how they're moving in comparison. And it's all about symmetry, right? So 
Um, I mean, my approach is pretty much the same, very detailed. Um, I start basic and I build, and my build is dependent on how quick they can grasp things and move on, because I can't go to lunch if without finish bre finishing breakfast. I can't go to dinner without finishing lunch. So it's a step-by-step -step approach, and then um, from there, it's just a read and react. I never really have a plan. I just go with the flow, and you know, I'm invested. I'm so passionate about it, so it's, it's, it's pretty easy. When, when players come to you, are they saying, here's some things I'd like to work on, or do you usually make that call? I mean, sometimes, and when they do ask me and tell me what they need to work on, I know they're, where their head's at. I know that they're really professional about this and they take their job serious because that means they've done their self-assessment. Um, but it varies. Some guys haven't done that before, and, and it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a skill that you got to have, right, to really look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not good at this. I need to get better at this, right? But when a guy does that, it's, it's perfect. And if they, if they don't, then I'll get them to start thinking like that. So it um, doesn't make a difference, difference to me. It's kind of like client consulting. You've got to kind of sit down and build that relationship and help them understand, like, you know, this is what the task at, is at hand, and here's how we're going to attack it. And, you know, if you have the right attitude about it, every session's beautiful, even if it's a struggle. Now, on that topic, sometimes it is going to be a struggle. How do you deal with players when they're getting, you know, they've missed 10, 13 shots in a row, they're getting frustrated? How do you kind of handle that? My main thing is just telling them to refocus. I'm not going to give a player the ball during a drill if they're, they're cursing or swearing or slapping the ball around. I'm not, I'm not passing you the ball back until you calm down because at the end of the day, like, you, the, per, the pursuit of perfection is what we play basketball for and we train for. You're never going to be perfect. No one is. But because there's that pursuit of perfection, like the work is endless. So you got to understand you're a human being. So I kind of give that same kind of talk and to everyone because I've been there. I'm a, I'm a big time perfectionist. And when I was playing, I used to after university games, didn't matter if I was on the road at home, I would head into the gym after the game, if, even if I had 40 points to get more reps because I did miss some shots and I want to shoot those shots I missed because that's just how you have to be. People see Kobe Bryant doing it and Kyle Lowry doing it. I was doing that 16, 17. You know what I mean? No one was documenting it, obviously, but that's the mentality you got to have. So, I mean, it's all, it's all about channeling it. So if I see guys getting frustrated and whatnot, it's just stop, reset, refocus, and get back to it kind of thing is my, my uh, mantra that I have for them. Now, do you have to keep your phone constantly uh, on, on Ringer? Because I imagine there's sometimes some guys are calling you late at night. How does that work? Yeah, I mean... I am one to keep my phone on ringer if I expect calls. I'm not going to lie to you. If I'm not expecting calls, my phone usually is on silent. But I do check, like, my DMs. I mean, there's probably 50 of them that I haven't answered yet. But Because uh, there's always different opportunities. I mean, there's, there's kids all over the world that have been reaching out to me, college guys, guys that were playing in the tournament that were reaching out to me for training. So it's like, you know, I, 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 I just – I, I do check in and stay on top of it, and I do have people that are helping me with um, organizing different things and making sure, you know, I can um, get guys in the gym when they need to get in the gym. So um, that's the main thing, really, having people help me. you got to use your resources. You can't do it all alone. That's 100% because I've seen it, how things have gotten busier over the years and how stressful it could be. So I definitely have help right now while I'm doing what I'm doing. Is there anyone you've worked with who you who really stood out to you as someone who, who was there to work? You talked a bit about professionalism. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody who stood out to you like that? Uh, well, there's plenty of plenty of guys that stand out to me like that. I mean, um, one who I really, really like, I see actually myself in them is Elijah Long. He's over at Texas. Uh, he's like a mini-me in my opinion. I've seen him grow up from he was a little kid. And, you know, his his approach to the game is like, he's different. That's his, his thing. He always says he's different. I, I agree with him on that, right? I, I always say, like, we're aliens, brother. We're, we're not from this planet in, in, in the sense that it doesn't matter what it is that's going on. The work got to get done, and it's going to get done. 
right? It could be la lack of sleep. It could be different duties. It could be school. It could be whatever it may be, different responsibilities. But the work has to get put in. It's going to get done. And no matter what the case may be, how hard it is, it's going to get done without any complaints. And he has that focus where I'll challenge him. And he knows I'm challenging him. I'll give him almost unreasonable tasks. But there's not one word uttered. He knows I'm giving him an unreasonable task to strengthen his mind. Because that's one of the biggest things, you know, when, when you see guys that are either getting frustrated or they're super focused, it's it's all mine. I think 90% of basketball is mental. So um, he's different. He's definitely different. So you got to watch him this year. He's going to be eligible and he's going to make a lot of noise. All right. Well, uh, we'll be watching for sure. And what's it like for you to get to see some of these guys and uh, maybe you're watching one of their games and they do a move that you guys have been working on? What's it like to see that go through? Yeah, that's incredible. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you know, it, it, it's crazy. You see, like, these guys that are older doing these moves. But, I, I, I mean, I have a nine-year-old nephew who you're probably going to have on this podcast in about five years, and I promise that. he uh, He's working on moves and doing moves that we practiced just weeks prior, you know. And he, he came up to Philadelphia during his March break, and we worked on specific combinations. He struggled, and two weeks later, his mom sent me clips of him putting, putting kids on their butts, hitting the three, step back. He's nine. And, you know, it's, 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 it's all of them. When you, when you see it, it's just like, wow, you know, they get it, right? But it's one thing to go through the drills, but it's another thing to do your homework. So when I see them doing the moves, I know they've done their homework. I know they're studying the game, be it YouTube, be it watching film, be it watching actual games and seeing, okay, this skill we worked on, which I always tell them, this is where you're going to use it. They got to know why they're doing what they're doing. Once they understand why, it's easier to apply. So um, when I see it, I mean, it's it's – I smile, I nod my head, and I'm just like, perfect, now we need more, now more, now more. So you've unlocked that level, and now what's next, right? So it's, 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 I, I really love it. I definitely love it. You mentioned YouTube. How big has uh, YouTube been in, in your department? Oh, boy, YouTube. I mean, I, I, wish, I wish it was around when I was real young like these kids, and uh, YouTube's probably my best friend. I mean, Stanley came, came by our Airbnb out here in New Brunswick last night, and I told him, this is what I do, man. I stay up late and I watch watch film and watch watch uh, highlights and not not really highlights, but breakdowns. More videos that are on breakdowns. Um, last night we watched uh, a 49-minute Michael Jordan video at one in the morning, and um, Stanley was like, "Yo, you're not tired?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm tired, but like, my dude, this is this is studying right now. This is homework because his footwork was so precise." Everything was so crisp. He never wasted any movements. He was very efficient. And you see so many players in today's game doing moves that Michael Jordan was doing 25 years ago. And you start to realize, like, wow, like that's, that's insane. While defending the best player every game. So, I, I mean, that, I'm obsessed with watching certain talent. Like, I've been watching a lot of Luka Doncic. I've been watching uh, a lot of Goran Dragic because I just like how, how he approaches the game. I, I, I watch a lot of Donovan Mitchell. Like, these guys can score on the bounce. They can score on the catch or off the ball. They defend. They, they, they play hard. You know, anyone that's like that, I love to watch and just see how they approach it and just, you know, try and take bits and pieces from their movements and how they play because they're very, very crisp and efficient. So, yeah. I take it you watch those uh, Kobe Bryant details videos? Absolutely. And, and yeah, those are really good. And, and that's the thing, again, just like we talked about the whole shooting in the gym after games, like that's the bare minimum, watching film and breaking it down. Like when Kobe's doing that, you know that's why Kobe was so successful. And having been around the, like a, little, a couple of NBA players and meeting different guys, you start to realize, you know, some of these guys don't even watch film at all. Right? They don't at all, but that's the difference. You know, we all have access to the same coaches. We all have the same basketball. We're all eating the same meals. But what's going to set me apart from you? And it's the, the homework, like I said. So the Kobe Bryant detail, like that, that hit home for me. It's perfect. That's how it's supposed to be, you know?
And for you uh, as a trainer, is there anyone you look up to or you've you've sought advice from in this uh, job industry? Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he may not know it, but uh, Kyle Julius, I don't know if you know who Kyle Julius is. He uh, was coaching the London Lightning and he had this thing called A-game hoops back in the day. And you know, he had like Kevin Pangos on his team. Dwayne Notice was on his team. A bunch of a bunch of good young kids and he had a bunch of older guys that were pros and they compete against different universities and travel and whatnot but I remember working with him at a couple North Pole hoop showcases and I remember watching his approach and his intensity um I think that was the person who uh kind of got me wanting to do this a lot more as well right I just loved the way people bought into to to things that he was doing and I mean maybe he'll hear this podcast maybe not but uh yeah KJ definitely is somebody who who inspired me to do more and now I, I try to be very original with everything I do I try not to watch too much because you see everybody doing a lot of the same stuff oh punch dragon the same terminology I have my own way of doing things I find if you watch too much of other trainers instead of watching the game you're gonna start to do what the other trainers do I'd rather do what I do and what I think is right by breaking down the game and putting it into to play for them for what they need so yeah because everyone's different right and what's been your biggest challenge in this industry I mean, my biggest challenge is like <laughs> in Canada, especially is, is, is gym access. You know, um, that's one of the biggest things. Like if you have connections and you're getting gyms, you're, you're good. Like I have a couple good connections back home and in Philly, I'm now able to use Temple's gym. So, I mean, if you have uh, if you have a, access to a gym, then I mean, you can get the work in 100 percent. But that's that's probably one of the hardest things for me. Um, the business side of it as well, um, that's not something that I'm very, very educated on. I mean, I, I did minor in business in university, Ken as a major, but I still got a lot to learn in that area. So that's why I say I'm seeking help from as many people as possible to try and understand the ins and outs to, to get myself more. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, get, get different um, support from, say, the government or whatever, for whatever it is my ideas are and my plan is for the future. So I'm learning. I'm still learning myself, right? And now this week, uh, you, you've worked with guys like Dylan Brooks, and uh, he's at the FIBA mm -hmm. um, friendlies in, uh, or qualifiers, actually, mm -hmm. in, in Toronto. What's it like getting to see those players and seeing the growth of Canadian basketball? Oh, it's amazing because, I mean, there was a point where no one really came and really looked at Canadians as basketball players. Like, like I said, I mean, I came out of high school. I mean, I was an all-Canadian high school player. I was ranked second in the country in my graduating, graduating class in the country, and I never, I barely had any American looks. You know what I mean? So, and if I looked at it 10 years later, I'm seeing how things are, and it's like, wow. Literally, 10 years, late, 10 years later, it was 10 years ago that I graduated high school, and I see it now. Kids are getting all the exposure, all these opportunities, and the growth is just amazing because they're finally getting what we deserve. You know, because I find that, you know, everyone looks at Americans and they're intimidated by them because, like, oh, they think, oh, they're better athletes, they're better this, they're better that. But really and truly, I don't see any difference. I mean, I think Canadians are actually better, <laughs> to be honest, because, I mean, a lot of the fundamentals that are taught uh, at a younger age and, you know, the fact that we haven't had this this much exposure, it, like, kind of puts a chip on our shoulders where, you know, we got to work a little bit harder. So our approach to the game is great, and it's just um, it's just a matter of people seeing the talent and giving them the opportunity to, to, to flourish and really show what they could do. You know what I mean? You talked about that uh, intimidation from the United States. Now, do you think you've been around these players? Do you think that's kind of... Going down as far as uh, Canadian players go, are they Absolutely. less? Uh, less, much less intimidated. You see, they play with a chip on their shoulder. They're hungry, and you know the AAU circuit kind of prepares them, right? Um, AAU basketball is something that's 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 yeah. A lot of people don't like it because it's run and gun and blah 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 blah. But if you're looking to teach people to compete and not and, and go at, it doesn't matter who it is, and you play against the best talent. 
I mean, AU basketball prepares kids for that. Like all these guys are in the NBA that are that are in the same rookie class or whatever, whatever. A lot of them have been playing each other since they were 12. You know what I mean? 13. And it's like, and especially the Americans. So it's like, you know, you've seen it all and you've seen everyone else grow. So it's almost like, why not? Why wouldn't I want to grow with them and compete and be better than him? Because this has been my competition since I was seventh grade. So, um, yeah, the AU basketball has kind of prepared these kids in Canada now. So they're looking at the Americans and they're like, why can't we beat them? You know what I mean? Yeah. So and I mean, we have we that U19, we did beat them. Exactly. So uh, that's uh, exactly. we're, we're getting there. Exactly. Yeah. So that that whole um, that whole thing is gone. I think I think we're on par now. So for sure. Awesome. Anything else you think I, we should have talked about? No, I mean, honestly, the growth in Canada basketball is what this is really about and the whole um, the whole approach to, to, to training and working with kids and passion. I mean, I pretty much cover all bases. You pretty much covered all bases. So what does um, it mean for you to be a part of that growth? The growth? Oh, wow. Um, it's amazing, actually, because like a lot of the times like I used to almost feel like, damn, I wish, you know, I was born a couple years later. But um, being a part of it and paving the way and helping to even now still be a part of it with the training is incredible because I'm seeing kids that are in Mississauga and Toronto that are maybe seventh, eighth grade that you're going to see their names called in six years in the draft. And I know their names are going to be called. So and knowing that I had a part of it, you know, it feels good because there's things that you say to kids and there are certain things that you teach the kids that they'll never forget. I have coaches that I never forget certain things they taught when I was like 15. You know what I mean? So that's almost almost 15 years ago. So um, some of these kids, you, you, you're with them a lot and you get to influence them a lot and they, they, they change as people and as basketball players in terms of their approach. That's all you got to do, right? If my job there is done pretty much. So um, it's, it's uh, satisfying, very, very satisfying. It's like paying it forward and changing as many lives and touching as many lives, making as much of a difference as possible. That's what I'm passionate about. So, I mean, I, I love doing it and I'm, I'm very happy that I'm a part of it. Any advice for any uh, young players that might be listening? Any young players that may be listening, I would say, um, again, assess yourself, know your weaknesses, and take feedback and constructive criticism well. Because if you're not getting criticized, or you're not getting coached, you're not going to grow. Um, if there's no challenge, it's not going to change you. So, you know, challenge yourself, be honest with yourself, set goals and write them down and write a plan how to achieve them and just put the work in, right? Um, it's all about sacrifice because uh, there's always going to be fun. There's always going to be Instagram, Snapchat, video games. Spend less time on it because at the end of the day, you got one life. And, you know, if you really want to be really good at something, it's, it's, you just have to put the hours in. So make the choice, really. Make that choice and, and just lock in and get it done. Great words. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Appreciate sure. it. That was David Tyndale. If you liked what you heard, make sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's always appreciated. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can do so by tweeting at me at Canada's Court or by sending me an email, Canada's Court Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, Canada's Court.com, where you can find all our latest stories on uh, the people we interview and much more. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening. <laughs>